0: Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt guybe Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner Podcast devotees and followers. The great Matt guybe here with you once again with another episode of the book of Philippians. This would be episode one. The last time we were together, we recorded or we uh, had the introduction. So now we're going to start chapter one, and we'll start by reading the first 11 verses. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God and our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, Just as it is right for me to think this Of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you, all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offence till the day of Christ verse 11 being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God father i pray that you would bless this word as we seek to know your heart in these matters we seek to know your heart in these simple words so profound written over 2,000 years ago and still so applicable to today. Uh, Just minister to the hearts and minds of those that listen today, tomorrow, and in the future. In your name I pray. Amen. So here we are. We're starting verse, uh, or I should say chapter 1, and we're going to go right through these verses and break them down a bit. Uh, We read the text and I have entitled this one, Fellowship in the Gospel. Philippians 1, Fellowship in the Gospel. Um, and I think that's where we get that here, is right in these verses. Um, he says in verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel. He was, I thank God, in verse 3 he says, I thank my God, Paul says, upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for with joy, for joy, with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel, from the first day until now, being confident that he who has begun a good work in you will continue it. He was so thankful for their fellowship, for their koinonia. The Greek word means intercourse, intimate relationship. Because I told you, I think we began to talk about it last week, and as we go, especially into chapter two, we'll find out more that the Philippian church was a very giving church. They were one of the only churches that supported Paul, one of the only churches that Paul would actually allow to support him. Um, you know, he wouldn't let every church church support him for various reasons. One of the main reasons is a lot of the false teachers out there, um, they were bilking the people for money, they were cheating the people. You know, sometimes like some of the so-called gospel preachers do today, send an offering, you know, do this, uh, you know, send money to me and it'll, you know, come back to you tenfold, twentyfold, whatever. And he would not do that because he did not want to be at all seen like those false teachers were. And yet he did receive offerings from this church. Uh, He was, of course, under house arrest there in Rome uh, by the Praetorian Guard, by the Roman Legion Guard of Nero. And yet he still had needs, and uh, they, especially you'll see in chapter 2 through Ephroditus, who some say might have been the pastor, uh, took care of his needs, and they were very dear to his heart. Another thing, unlike some of the other churches, like the Corinthian church, who had a lot of problems and a lot of issues with doctrine, and they didn't even know if they wanted to accept him, you know, uh, we talked about that last week, last time too, um... These these were such dear saints. They they had very few problems. Um, they were just a very good church, the church at Philippi. And so, you know, his fellowship, he, he had a fellowship with them in the gospel. So that's where I have the title for this episode, Philippians 1, Fellowship in the Gospel. This was, again, a prison epistle, I believe like Colossians, and there was one other one, might have been Philemon, that he wrote while he was in prison. Philippi was a Roman colony in Macedonia, was a small kingdom-centered city along the Aegean Sea on the northeastern part of the Greek peninsula, made up of mainly Greeks and Romans, okay? Made up of Gentiles, because Apostle Paul was a Gentile apostle— Acts 16:14 to 19 we touched on this last time but just a little bit of review the Philippian church started through Lydia who was a worshipper of God isn't that amazing because when we talk about Philippians we're talking about those that uh rejoice and take celebration and joy in God. So that woman must have known how to do that. And also the jailer where Paul and Silas were under guard there, they were locked up, and the angel came at night and freed them. The jailer was, of course, scared that he'd be put to death, and they said, no, we're not going to leave. We're going to stay with you. And they stayed with him, and um, the jailer was okay. And uh, so he helped that start that church as well, and this was on Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, we find Paul under house arrest by Roman government, by the Roman government, by the Praetorian Guard, uh, uh, awaiting trial. Acts twenty-eight sixteen says, "Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him." Acts twenty eight thirty to thirty one. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house. He was under house arrest, and re- so he had to pay for that. Even though the Romans, you know, had him chained up as it were, uh, and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. And we told you last week that he wasn't down in the dumps about it. He was rejoicing and celebrating. Uh, if I live, I live for Christ. If I die, I'm before the Father. And he was sharing the gospel with the Roman Roman guard there, and the gospel was spreading through uh, the Roman legion. That, isn't that exciting? Um, he had some freedom, of course, but he still was a prisoner. And yet he saw the silver lining and persevered, Can you imagine? He didn't get down in the dumps, and he was witnessing to these guards. He was excited about that, in fact. I have down here in my notes, one of the messages or themes of Philippians is the awareness of the working of God in spite and through circumstances. In spite and through circumstances. See, Paul took this circumstance he was in as an opportunity to witness the gospel to these Roman legionnaires these Roman praetorian guard did he not he he didn't he didn't get all distracted by being under house arrest he wasn't allowed to go out you know on these journeys and minister anymore and yet he could minister to them he could minister by writing the church's letters which had effect it's having effect today as we read it right uh it, it's ministering to us those things that he wrote while he was in prison um, one of the messages, themes of Philippians is the awareness of the working of God in spite and through our circumstances. Amen. This results in joy when we realize God will use what we're going through, even the unpleasant things that seem unpleasant to us. You cannot have true joy without an awareness of God. Joy, we talked about that last week. The real, true, seated joy that comes from within has to come from God. It it can't come from a championship football team. It can't come from your Maserati. It can't come from the new house you bought. It can't come from the new spouse you married. Sure, you may be able to get joy out of those things for a while, but they will not bring you lasting joy. Also, because we said he's talking about fellowship and the gospel, we're going to see that there's real synergy in fellowship, real synergy in fellowship. Hebrews 10.25 talks about um, don't neglect the gathering of yourselves together, you know, as some will do, especially as you see uh, the days approaching. And he's talking about days of trial. You know, we could say that about today, what what we're living through today right now. Uh, we're kind of coming out of a little bit of COVID-19, but there's other things on the horizon, you know, um, you know, just a lot of, What I believe is, um, you know, oppressive government and things we've never seen and ungodly people in places of power and who knows what all that will lead to. We have the war now over there between Ukraine and Russia, and we have unbelievable the worst inflation in 40 years. All the more so we need to gather together. We need to learn to have fellowship and koinonia with each other. We're going to need each other. Yes, we are. <clears throat> We're going to need each other in these days. Uh, it talks about also in Hebrews there that we should spur one another on in the faith. We should encourage each other. And you do that by getting together with your brothers and sisters. Um, let's go on. Verse 1, we read where it, it was, it's Paul and Timothy both, you know, uh, a lot of letters we write today, that those of us that still write letters, we sign at the bottom at the end. But these letters were uh, uh, really addressed in the beginning who was writing them. That was They were saying who they were in the beginning. So Paul and Timothy, you know, Timothy was also put on this letter by Paul because it was from both of them. Because Timothy, of course, was Paul's protege in the faith. To all the saints who are in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi. So to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus, Jesus is always our source wherever we're at. He was, Paul was under house arrest. They were free there in the, in Philippi, you know, uh, and it applies to us. Whatever spear, whatever metron, wherever you find yourself in, Jesus should always be your source, the center of, of, um, of your world to all the saints who frequent the kingdom corner, we could say, also. He wants to work through you where you are when you are aware of Him. And we talked about having an awareness of God. And when you know He's working through you and you're yielding to Him, of course, joy will come out of that. Bishops and deacons, or episkopos, it talks about in verse 1. The Greek word is episkopos, or for the deacon is diakonos, diakonos. They are overseers or deacons. Uh, the deacons are the ones who run errands, you know, and of course we know that deacons in, in our modern church today, they're the ones that run the errands around the church, mow the lawn, maybe clean the church they're responsible for, maybe take offering. Gr- uh, verse 2, grace and peace. Uh, we should be walking in these like we walk in you know, aware of them, of the grace and peace of God upon our lives like we are like we are aware of nitrogen oxygen. And I think sometimes we even take those things for granted. Do you ever stop, you know, I have this note up here from Tommy Newberry's book um, that I'll be talking about, I've talked about it before, The 4-8 Principle, what are the five things you're thankful for right now? Do you ever stop and thank God for the breath that He's given you? When you get up in the morning, the next breath that you take, you know, we take that for granted. We take our atmosphere for granted, you know. And sometimes I think we take the grace and peace of God that he has given us for granted. I want to go back in just so I can keep track here in Philippians. I I just kind of lost my place. And just so we can track on with uh, what we're reading, we're in Philippians chapter 1, of course. Uh, We're talking about verse 1 and verse 2. Grace and peace. We should always walk in grace and peace. Peace is the result of the workings and activity of grace. Grace, the unmerited favor of God, or grace, um, the ability to walk in the overcoming and uh you know powerful way that God sees you, to walk as He sees you, as His favored son or daughter. That's what grace is. So grace and peace. Um, Romans 14, 17 for cross-references. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, right? Those three all go together, righteousness, peace, and joy. Um, If you don't have one, you don't have any of them, you know? If you have the righteousness and peace and joy of God, you have it all, you know? To be in a tither, to be all upset about Maybe the circumstances that are going on in our world or your own circumstances or what's gone on the last two years means that you're not walking in grace. Just take a look at how you're responding to things. And sometimes, you know, I fall into it too, where I forget these things. And I know that I'm all in a tither. I'm all upset. That means I'm not walking in grace. Paul said in another uh, epistle, you know, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Joy is equaling peace, and peace equals joy, you know. We talked about with a, another Christian this morning about, you know, joy uh, and peace, especially peace, is the absence of conflict. Um, you can't have true peace if you have a lot of conflict, you know. Uh, like we talked about before, too, you know, the Israelis and the um Palestinians have been fighting each other for years and years, and they sign a peace accord, but you know, and they lay down their weapons, but they're not really at peace. Um, They're abiding by a treaty, but underneath it all, they're still smoldering in a hostility and enmity. Only God can bring true peace, and someday that'll that will happen over there, you know, in the end of time, I believe. So let's go on, verse three and four. Verse three and four. Um, just to sum it up, joy and peace then are related. This so is what I'm looking for my from my notes. Where you find joy, there will you find peace. Where you find peace, you'll find joy. Um, hostility, we talked about, I've talked about before in my Ephesians lesson. And enmity, the same kind of word, um, they're always making demand on people. They always got to have their rights. But true peace, true joy, isn't really concerned about that, then know when you're in true peace and joy walking in that, um, you know that God will take care of you. Paul's great compassion, verse 3 and 4, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy, okay? So what he's saying here is Paul's great compassion for them, I, I, I alluded to it in the beginning, was because they supported him. That's why this letter was written. He was writing them a letter of thank you for their support. Um, Philippians 2.25, this is where we'll get into it more, is where Ephroditus brought a gift to Paul where he was in under house arrest. He ministered to Paul, Paul's need. Verse 5, this is where the title of today's lesson comes from verse 5 then for your fellowship in the gospel from the from the first day until now he was thanking them for their fellowship for their koinonia for their close relationship you know and because of that they gave in love to him and so um koinonia means participation intimacy partnership it has to do with a giving of oneself um and that that's that's what we're talking about a fellowship in the gospel Isn't that so wonderful? That's that's what we really want. We want true fellowship around and in the gospel, which will bring joy and peace. Um, Let's go to verse 6. This is a a real, you know, marked out verse when we study uh, Philippians. A lot of people reference it. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work... In you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonderful, per, a wonderful passage, a wonderful promise? You don't have to worry that when we're in Christ Jesus, He's completing the work. He's doing a work, and He will finish it as long as we keep trusting in Him. Let's look at that word, perform or complete. Let's look at these words a little bit. To uh, perform or complete means to accomplish, perfect, execute, to accomplish perfectly, to carry out to completion. epatileho, epatileho, to carry out to completion, accomplish perfectly. For all you perfectionists out there, which I have been guilty of, get rid of that. You'll never accomplish perfection. The only one that accomplishes things perfectly will be Jesus Christ working in her life. You know, being confident of this very thing, which he who has begun a good work in you— will accomplish it perfectly. Amen? You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to get in a tither about it. You can have joy and peace as you walk with Him. Hebrews twelve two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and was exalted and seated at the right hand of God. See, Jesus is the author and finisher. Jesus already walked the path. He was, you know, died, resurrected, rose again, overcame sin, and now he's exalted, he's finished the work, and he'll finish the work in you and I. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, that we should walk in good works, that we should walk them out. You know, by for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It is the work of God. That's verses 8 and 9 of Ephesians, and I preach a lot that a lot of Christians forget the verse 10, which is so beautiful. For, because he saved us by grace and not of our own strength, for, then, because of that, we are his workmanship. Uh, The Greek word is handiwork. We are, some some translators say, we are his poem or his masterpiece, and he's laid out good works for us to walk in, Okay. Um, I'm reminded of a, a story I heard about a um, about an artist who uh, he would paint in his studio a lot, and he'd call up his friend every so often and say, "Come look at my painting." And his friend would come over and look at the painting, and he said, "What do you see?" I I just see blotches on a canvas is what his friend would say, and he and and the artist would say, you know. That's because you don't have the vision to see the completed masterpiece. You know, often we look at our lives, I think, and we we see blotches, we see a mess. And yet, you know, God sees us as his masterpiece that he will complete. Being confident in this very thing, he which begun a good work in you will will accomplish it perfectly, will carry it out to completion. It's going to get done, saint. Just trust in Him. That doesn't mean you don't. That doesn't mean you sit back and do nothing. But it means as you trust in Him, as you're walking in the light, and as you move out in Him, He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to direct your path, as Proverbs or Psalm says, and uh, He's going to begin to build that beautiful masterpiece. Let's ver- look at verse seven then. Uh, verse seven. Back to verse seven here. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. Partakers. Referring again to the fact that the Philippians sowed into Paul's ministry. They were part of his ministry because they gave into it. They sowed into it with the right heart. Um... Ephesians three eight unto me, Paul says, who am less than the least of all saints, is grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Amen. Let's look at verse eight, then. Uh, for God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. I long with you for the affection, or from my innermost being, the Greek would say from my spankna, from my guts. Because he knew them, he had relationship with them. He had fellowship. Remember, we're talking about fellowship today. He had intercourse. He, he it wasn't just a passing relationship. It wasn't just a, you know, like uh, you have a relationship with your mailman or your milkman. It was something more. It was intimate. It was intimate because they supported him, and he he longed for them. Okay, Philippians four one. Therefore, my dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. See how much he loved them? Um, he was showing his emotion. It was coming from his belly or his guts, as it were, his love for them. Galatians 4.19, my little children of whom I travail, he's travailing in birth again until Christ be formed in you. See, I'm sure he was travailing that Christ would be brought forth in the Philippian church as well. First Thessalonians two eight. so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were so dear to us. And he's talking about the Thessalonian church there, not just uh, the letter that he wrote to the Thessalonians, not just giving them rules, but giving them uh, giving of his life to them, not just laying down rules, hard, fast rules, you got to do this, but really the heart. He had a heart for the people he ministered to, um, but giving of his life. It's the true mark of an apostle, not just giving out head knowledge and rules, but sharing from his heart. He was like, uh, I say, the old old preacher said, if you're going to be a shepherd over the sheep, you better smell like the sheep. You better get down and dirty with the sheep. You know, don't stand aloof from the flock. Be part of them. Give unto them. Be real with them. Be vulnerable with them. Verse nine. Let's go on. We're, we're we're winding down today. And this, I pray, that your love may abound still more and more. In other words, he wanted it to increase more and more, in knowledge, and all discernment. Woo, that's a good verse. Abound to be in abundance. To be exceeding, increasing. Overflowing, more and more, not just, not just a little bit, not just sometimes on Sunday or Wednesday night, but all the time, more and more. You're abounding, you know. He's abounding. He says, uh, "They're abounding in love toward each other, toward the saints, and that comes through fellowship and koinonia." Right? You'll never be uh, come the saint that God desires you to be. Never come into quite the potential and ministry that he would have for you without your brothers and sisters in Christ. It just will not happen. You can't be a lone ranger Christian. We need the body of Christ. And that's where we'll learn to abound more and more, amen, as we become vulnerable with each other. And this, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment. Always growing and increasing in love to a greater degree, Second Corinthians nine eight, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Second Corinthians nine eight. He makes all grace his overcoming power, his his idea of you and you seeing yourself. You know, as God sees you and walking in that kind of power, it's abounding toward you. And then you have all sufficiency in all things. Like uh, we said in Ephesians 2.10, we could hook it back there, that you can walk out and do the good works that He's called you to. It qualifies you to give out, and then you begin, in this kind of setting, in this kind of uh, heart and mindset, you begin to overflow to others. You can encourage and stir each other up when you're abounding in love, right? Even in negative situations, you know, I think they were a little, uh, at first, a little discouraged because Paul was under house arrest. But he he told them, don't be upset. I'm having the time of my life witnessing to the uh, Praetorian God, uh, guard, and God is doing great works in the in the uh, legionnaires, right? So that's good. Let's go on. Verse 9. Uh, another cross reference then, Colossians 1, 9, and 10. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you may be filled, see this is the knowledge part, with all knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all-pleasing being fruitful in every good work, increasing, again, in the knowledge of the Lord. See, uh, we're abounding and we're increasing in knowledge. Isn't that wonderful? Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. I love this verse. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, you know, way over and above all that we could ask or think. That's what the Greek means, to throw way over. You know, way over, out of bounds, so to speak. According to the power that works in us, Unto him be glory in the church and Jesus Christ throughout all ages without end. Let's look at the word knowledge there, and bounding in all knowledge. Colossians 3.10, And have put on the new man which is renewed or renovated, the Greek would say, in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. See, God wants to give you a new knowledge. He wants to renovate, you know, just completely blow out like he told me once, he wanted to burn out my brain. You know, I had to get rid of some of my books and some of my notes. He wanted to completely renovate my brain, you know? And he wants to renovate you in the knowledge of him, in his knowledge, make you all new, you know? Uh, for this cause, Colossians one nine. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled With the all with the knowledge of the full knowledge is what he's praying about of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understand understanding, wow discernment could be talking about discerning of spirits. Uh, I believe that's a manifestational gift. I believe we could find that. uh, I'm thinking it's in First Corinthians 12 where we have the reference to that about the uh, the gift of discernment. Let's go on though uh, as we. want to kind of wind this down verse 10 verse 10 that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ that you may approve all that is excellent without a f- sin- be sincere and without offense approve daka mozado daka mozado to test examine, scrutinize, to prove whether something is genuine or worthy, prove things that are excellent, literally to carry through, to be of more value, to be of a superior worth. And that means like being a success in God. So putting both together, always testing and scrutinizing things to prove their value and then carrying through to the end to bring the best test Best service, I should say, or superior value. I'm looking at my notes. A great de- definition of God's godly success. So put this together then. Let's read this again. Always testing and scrutinizing. We could say a verse 10, we're always testing and scrutinizing things to prove their value and then carrying through to the end to bring the best service or superior value. A great definition. This is a great definition of godly success. See Daniel. See the story of Daniel. Daniel 5 10 to 12, uh, verse 14. You know, when we're taught, that's a good example of someone who um, God was able to bring up in the kingdom of um, Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and, and he was found to be of excellent, excellent. Spirit, you know, and we looked in the uh, Daniel 5 10, 12, 14, all through there. It says that Daniel possessed an excellent yatzer, yatzer spirit, which means a spirit. He was elevated to a position of preeminence, a preeminent position, because he was found to be of a superior or excellent spirit. It means that uh, a cool, he had a cool spirit. Probably didn't get rattled at all, very easily, you know. Uh, he was the kind of guy, when he walked into the room, I'm sure the heads were turned. Uh, he did not get rattled or lose his composure, um, but he was of an excellent spirit. Like verse 10 says here in the chapter, chapter 1 of Philippians, approve things that are excellent. So he was approved to be excellent, was he not? Be sincere and without offense. I'm sure that was um, the testimony of Daniel. And that's why he rose to be second in power. Romans 12, 1 and two is a cross reference, you know. Um, but be trans- be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you know. Uh, that's what it talks about. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, can't think of the rest of it now. I usually have it memorized. <clears throat> Ephesians five ten, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Ephesians tw- 5.21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. <coughs> Excuse me, John 4.1, try the spirits. In other words, uh, examine them, you know, prove whether they're excellent or not, test them out. Revelation 2.2, 2, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars. And we're going to need that in these last days. We're going to need to know about different people that, like it says, I think it's Matthew 25, and many, also, you know, I, Christ is here, Christ is there. We're going to need to know how to prove who are the real men and women of God and who are not. What is the best thing to do, not just from good not just for good, and not just something uh, to keep us from the bad, but to be extraordinary like Daniel. Can we can we come to that place? He's looking for Daniels today to rise up uh, in the kingdom of God, to be of excellent spirit, to be of a cool, collected, calm spirit in the face of all the things we see going on, to not let it um, make them be in a tither or, or upset them, you know. I tend to be a passionate person. Sometimes I tend to get upset, you know, but I don't think that was Daniel's character. We need to be able to try, like I said, what's going on with the different voices out there that says, here's Christ, there's Christ. Here, this is from God. Is it? You need to be able to discern and try these things. Verse 10, approve things that are excellent. Uh, be sincere and without offense. Let's look at that. Sincere. Here's a. Here's something that I found from... Um, Ray Steadman, a great Bible scholar who's passed on a number of years ago now, and he talks about this word being sincere. The word sincere is most interesting. In the Latin, it means without wax. And in the Greek, it means sun-tested. Both of these come from the experience, from the same experience. In the ancient world, sometimes they made little images of, or pottery, which would develop cracks in order to pass these off as perfect. Like they want to go down to the market and sell their pots, but some of them were cracked. What did they do? Some of the merchants would fill the cracks with wax. So the crack was not observable. There was a, but there was a way to find out. They could be put that item in the hot sun for a while. If there was wax, the sun would melt it and the crack would become visible. Ooh. So it was sun-tested. Paul is saying that the Christian life ought to be one without hypocrisy, without wax, that is, so constantly exposed to the light that is in Christ Jesus that it's continually sun-tested. And if it doesn't stand up to that scrutiny, uh, the cracks are going to show, are they not? This is where the Christian lives, in the light of the glory that streams from the face of the Father in heaven. If in our lives, before him, we are we hide nothing, we can then be sincere, blameless, and as a result, are filled with the fruits of righteousness. On the other hand, if there's faults, if there's cracks, they're going to be found out. They're going to be sun-tested, are they not? Without offense, that's an interesting um, interesting phrase. And I've, I've been working with another brother um, on a message that he's going to— teach in, in a group that we're in on offense and especially forgiveness and you know um offense is going to be a big thing in the last days many Christians are going to be offended and they won't walk with the Lord anymore um Jesus said you know he um after he fed fed the uh, 5000 I think in that one place you know um many were just following him for the miracles and then when he crossed over to the other side of the of the lake I think it was um Not many were left, and and uh, many had left. When when he he brought the message afterward, you know, you got to eat my flesh and 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 drink my blood. And after that, many wouldn't follow after him. You know, they just that kind that offended them. You know, so they walked away. Matthew eighteen seven. We're talking about offense. Be without offense. We're talking about in Philippians one ten. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come. You're going to be offended. Uh, and and that word means to uh, scandal on, like we get the word scandal from it. It means to stumble, fall, be trapped in a snare, a trigger, a trap. You know, have you ever stumbled or fallen, by, uh, you know, in the natural? I have. Have you ever fallen or stumbled spiritually because you weren't watching? I have. Have you ever stumbled or fallen because somebody's offended you? I have. You know, offense will come. And the question is, what will you and I do with that offense? You know, he's talking about the little children. Um, we go to Matthew eighteen three to 6. That's the, before we get to 7. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me that's because children believe and are so trusting and yet they can be stumbled right by an adult you know they're not as um they're not as aware of things as adults are and then he goes after that and he says woe to the world because of offenses you know and if you offend any of these little ones you know Uh, Verse 6, whoever causes one of these little ones, we're we're in Matthew, I'm reading verse 6 in Matthew 18, uh, who believe in me to sin, to be offended, to stumble, it would be better for a millstone to be hung around his neck and for him to be drowned in the seas. Wow. Are you offending people around you? (laughs) Or are you walking in grace like we talked about earlier? Uh, Are you walking in true Koinonian fellowship? with those in your household? Are you offending them, stumbling them? I need to examine my heart all the time. We've been talking, this brother and I, about forgiveness. And it's interesting to me, it never dawned on me. Peter came to Jesus and said, how many times should a man or a person forgive another person? What did Jesus say? Seventy times seven. And we know that means infinite amount of times. That means infinitely, you know. To me, that speaks that uh, of offense and forgiveness and being hurt by people, that's something we're going to experience all of our lives. And unless we're walking close to the Lord, those things are going to, uh, when you're talking about forgiveness, means to let go of or send away. And when you're in unforgiveness, you're bound up. And some people, you know, because they're not walking Sometimes we forget we don't walk as close to the Lord as we should. We're bound up in these things and we don't even know it, you know. Um, this ties into the word sincere when we're talking being without offense that we talked about in verse 10 of Philippians. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my sake. This is in the end of time. This is, I think this is happening now, today in our society. And then many will be offended, you know. I think a lot of people are getting offended by what's going on. And maybe rightly so, but then what happens? They will betray one another. They will hate one another. In other words, they, be, be, they, they become hateful. They don't uh, let themselves be vulnerable before the Lord and have the Lord heal that. They, be, they become hateful and they become hardened. Many false com- uh, prophets will rise up and deceive many see, the offended ones, they'll, they'll be deceived by these false prophets because their hearts aren't in the right place. And lawlessness will abound, and here's the real phrase, the love of many will grow cold. Wow. It'll wax cold. They were, it, Their hearts were once warm and pliable, right? Um, and I'm reminded of a Word picture like the engines in the in the Midwest where I was from would get so cold the engine block would freeze up and you'd have to keep a heater in there overnight so your um you could start your car up the next morning. The point is you will be offended. We will all be offended. You know, it's what we do with that offense. Are you casting it on the Lord? Are you trusting Him? Are you keeping short accounts with the Lord and with other people? Um, then it talks about. Um, being filled, verse 11, with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Mmm, mm. You know, let, let me read that last part again, because this, this is such an important part of being in fellowship and koinonia, if we can stay close with the body of Christ, keep our hearts in that vulnerable place. I want to read these again, um, just to close out. Let's see. That you may approve the things that are excellent. We talked a lot about that. That you may be sincere, you know, you know, really sincere. Not, not all waxed over, trying to cover up your cracks. And without offense, you know, offense will come, Jesus said, but we can send it away. When you forgive somebody, you send it away. That's what forgiveness is, to send away. That's what it literally means, to cast away, to send away. Uh, Being filled with, uh, maybe sincere and without offense, that is sending away the offense, sending away the hurt, sending away uh, and forgiving someone till the day of Christ. Being filled then, because you're not in that state of unforgiveness and all in a tither about everything and all upset, what can happen? You can be filled You can be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's read a couple more cross-references and we'll close out for today. It went kind of a long time, but this is an important topic. Galatians 5.22, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such, there's no law. In other words, you can't keep a law to do all these things. You can't do these things in your own power. It has to come from a heart that is um, has been overcome by the grace of God, right? And then it'll be come out of that. Just like joy will flow out of that. You can't can't do it in yourself. Uh, Ephesians five nine. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Let's see. Let's, um, John, or Jesus said in the Gospel of John, um, my vision for you, you know, God's vision for you is that you bear much fruit that your Father may be glorified, you know. And, and, And we bear fruit by not taking offense. We bear fruit by letting God plow our hearts up and keep in those places of forgiveness and, and be sincere and be in fellowship, the fellowship of the gospel. The gospel is the good news that should bring joy, fellowship and the joy of the gospel, right? That's what we need to do. Let's come together in fellowship then, right? With the saints of God. Let's spur each other on. Let's encourage each other to abound more and more in the knowledge of God. Let's approve all things that are excellent. Let's be sincere in our faith with Jesus, and if anything's in the way, let's not pretend that it's not there, but let, let's get that healed up, right? That we may—that uh, God can flow out of us to others, that we can bear much fruit in these last days. Let's not let our hearts get hard, and let's not get hard and uh, cold by what we see going on in the world, but let's—let's— let's when those when those scandalons, when those offenses come, let's send them away and allow the love of God to come in and just make us more empathetic, make us more loving. Um, I've talked enough tonight, uh, today, and with that, uh, I'm going to say good night. We'll see you again as we continue on in Philippians, the primer of joy, uh, a primer for joy, a primer for joyful living. That's what we're learning with these principles of fellowship, of of sincerity, of being without offense, of being of an excellent spirit. I know I'm going on and on. So uh, be blessed until I see you all again. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Geib. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, Check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, SignificanceAcademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.